Please open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. When you have found it, would you please stand for the reading of God's word tonight? Please follow along silently as I read out loud. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 22. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Now please turn to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Starting with verse number 7. Genesis 39, verse number 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the truth of Scripture. Thank you for the book that we hold in our hands, the Word of God. I ask you to please bless our pastor as he preaches to us from your book. Please give him great power and liberty tonight. May our hearts be sensitive and attentive and attentive to your leading. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you very much. The Bible teaches in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22, we are to avoid... The very appearance of evil. Abstain. Stay away from it. Uh, you said, preacher, you'd have to get out of the world. Uh, well, what is within your power to do that? We are to make the effort to do that. In Genesis chapter number 39, am I on? Can you hear me? Okay, good. We find out here uh, a little bit of story about Joseph here. Of course, his daddy being Jacob. He being the youngest, for some reason, daddy openly showed... Uh, extra care and love for him. His brothers became very jealous of him. Not like that doesn't go on in families. At one point when his brothers were plotting for his death, we come to find out the oldest brother, Reuben, said, no, no, fellas, let's not do this. So they threw him in a pit. We find out here, look at verse, chapter 37, Genesis 37 and verse 22. Now the older brother, oldest brother, Reuben said this in Genesis 37, 22. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood. He didn't want don't kill the kid. Don't do that. Uh, but cast him into a pit into the wilderness. Lay no hand upon him that uh, he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him. So it seems as though Reuben really wasn't going for this. Reuben said, okay, look, I don't like the kid either. Uh, I'm as jealous as all get out. I don't know why dad loves him more than he loves the rest of us, but he does. Killing him is not the answer. Fellas, don't do this. So they threw him in a pit, and the Bible says that Reuben was going to deliver him back to his daddy. So we find out here that as he, for some reason, Reuben left. 
I don't know why he went. Maybe check on the flock. Maybe he went to town to get supplies. I don't know. But he leaves. When he comes back, look at verse number 29 of that same chapter. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. I mean, he was sorrowful. Now he was afraid of what had happened to him, and so he, 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 he hid uh, all of them, their complacency to get... By the way, by the way, by the way, Mom and Dad, can I help you? Your kids know more about what's going on in the home than you do. And there'll be things they'll never tell you till the day they die. There's a, there is a very terrible, heartbreaking story that takes place here. For years, this dad thought Joseph was dead. And not one of those boys who knew better said anything to dad. They all lied. They all covered for one another. And dad was heartbroken. And imagine then later on how the boys felt when they said he's alive. There are things that go on in our homes that we are either purposely ignorant of, we don't want to hear, or we absolutely do not know. But I promise you, your kids do. Okay? So what happens here is Jacob in, in verse number 32, look down there in verse number 32. He said, and they, they, they sent his coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, this we have found. That's a lie. And uh, know whether thy, it's thy son's coat or not. They knew it was Joseph's coat. They took it to their dad. It was shredded, had blood all over it. Dad assumes a wild animal got a hold of his baby boy and now he's died. He's not a baby, but you know what I mean. And uh, he, killed, he believes that he's dead. He's heartbroken here. What happened in the meantime was the boys, before they go back to dad and bring this bad news, they go and sell Joseph to a band of Ishmaelites that's traveling by. So they're not only wishing the kid was dead, they put him in a pit, they beat the tar out of him, but now they're going to make some money off the kid. This is pretty bad jealousy, folks. And so what happens is they sell him to the Ishmaelites. They're on their way down to Egypt. They get down to Egypt. They put him on the auction block and sell him to a fellow by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar, for some reason, sees in this kid something special. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1 through 2, look what it says. Go to chapter 39, look at verse number 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard of, of uh, an Egyptian, uh, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph. Now, honestly, I, I, I'm not sure I would say that. I just got beat up, thrown in a pit. They wanted to kill me. They're jealous of me. They sell me some Ishmaelites. They take me to a foreign country. I get sold to another guy, and the Lord is with me. I have a hard time believing some things that the Bible says, but I know it's true. Watch what he says here. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was prosperous. I'm sorry, and he was a prosperous man, not Joseph, but the guy he's with, and was in his house the master of this, Egypt, uh, this Egyptian. Look at verse 3. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord, watch this, made all that he did to prosper in his hands. The Egyptian couldn't believe it. He said, you know, since that guy got in my house, everything that's happening, I'm prospering off of. Now understand, and the Lord was with him. So we find out here that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house, the Bible says, for Joseph's sake. In other words, God said, okay, you're down here. I'm going to make it easy on you as I can. I have to take you somewhere, but I'm going to let everything prosper. This Egyptian is going to see this. He's going to let you run his whole household. That's a pretty good deal if you're going to be in a foreign country. Go down to chapter 39, verse number 7. 
Our text verse here says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused, and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath into my hand. There is nothing, there's none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife. That's why he kept you back. You, you don't belong to me. I have no rights to you. So he says this, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That sounds familiar to me. Sounds like what David did when he was repenting. He said, against thee, thee only have I sinned. Look at me. All sin is against God first and primarily. All sin is against God primarily. All sin affects the cause of Christ and, is, and is, is aimed at him no matter what it is. We find out Joseph, this, this person says this, David says that, and I think I can prove that throughout the Bible. Look at verse number 10. And it came to pass, as she spake with Joseph, pay attention, day by day. This was not a one-time attempt. She's pressing this boy. I mean, she is really putting it on. She's giving it all she's got to get him to lie with him, to lie with her, and watch what happens here. And he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. Verse 11. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. He was, he was there working like he was supposed to. And there was none other men in the household. Now, he should have caught on to something here. Can I tell you men something? You're dumb as a brick sometimes. You know that? Watch what happens. Verse number 12. Now, he's in here alone, and the Bible says she caught him by his garment and said, now she's going to force the issue, and said, lie with me. He left his garment in her, in, in, in her hand and fled and got him out. You say, whoo, that was close. Let me help you understand something. As we read these verses here, we find out that Joseph resisted. He really did. Boy, this kid put up quite a fight, didn't he? But I'm going to contend with you tonight. I'm going to try to cut this a little short here. I'm going to contend with you what he should have done was avoided the whole thing. Instead, he did his best to resist it, and it didn't really turn out to You say he didn't sin. No, but everybody believed he did. Let me help you understand. I have heard too much about dumb men falling for things they have no business falling for. The reason they're falling for it is because you're putting yourself in a position you have no right to put yourself into. You put yourself in that position because you like the excitement of being tempted. You just don't want to get caught in the sin. I'll try to explain this here in a minute. The sad, very much overlooked thing in this account is that Joseph tried to resist Potiphar's wife, but he did not avoid her. The Bible clearly says, look at verse number 10 and 11. And it came to pass... As she spake to Joseph day by... So this didn't come as a surprise. It wasn't like, man, lady, I can't do it. Every day she's pressing this kid. Every day she's trying to get him to do this vile, wicked thing. Every day he goes into the house. Now Potiphar is gone. He's on a business trip. And guess where Joseph is? He's back in the house. Now, ladies and gentlemen, fellas, look at me and listen to me. Get out of your dumbness. Please understand. You've got to understand. You're putting yourself in position thinking you can resist when you should have been avoiding altogether. Sometimes you really ought to listen to your wife when she goes, what, what are you, what's that all about? 
Oh, I'm good. I know what I'm doing. What she's saying is, hey, look, knucklehead, knock it off. You ought to listen to her. You know, my wife tells me, honey, trust me, I can see things that you don't. And you'd be foolish to go. Now, the first thing we do is cop a plate. You know that's the truth. Then we get all flushed out, and, my wife go, and, and your wife goes like this. You okay? You look like you're sick. Listen to me carefully here. What in the world was Joseph doing in the house all alone and all the other men were out? It's not like everything he did was in one house. He had all of Potiphar's estate to watch over. He had the authority to come and go as he pleased. He said, nobody here is any greater than I except Potiphar, and you belong to him. So Joseph, in my estimation, could come and go as he pleased anytime he wanted to. He didn't have to be in that house. Joseph would never had to resist had he avoided being alone with her to begin with. Don't look at me like that. It hurts us clear down to our toes when we find a brother or sister caught up in a sinful relationship and they say, I didn't mean to. Well, quit trying to resist and avoid the whole thing. Joseph would never had to resist had he simply avoided her altogether. Joseph, not Mrs. Potiphar, she was doing what was natural. He knew God. She didn't. She's a heathen. He was one of God's children. He had no bit, but he wasn't thinking. He said he didn't realize. You better open up your eyes and start looking. That's why when I see people too close together, I say, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? This is why when I see your teenagers just walking off somewhere, what are you doing over here? Get back there where you belong. And you look at me like, don't you trust them? Watch me. No, I don't. I don't trust adults. I'm sure not going to trust a teenager whose hormones are clear up to the ceiling. Now, that's just foolishness. So what happened here? A person with good character or a good testimony should always try to protect that testimony. Let me quote you a scripture here. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 26, the last part, it says the adulteress will hunt for the They're hunting. They're hunting. They're hunting. You know what they're hunting for? The precious life. The precious life is the untouched life. The one with the good testimony. That which has influence. That which is pure and clean. You're being hunted. You take all these yahoos out here in the world that come here and look at these young ladies that have never been with anybody. I'm telling you, they are after them because they're so fed up with all that rotten stuff out there. They want to get their grubby little hands on your daughter or on your son. So when I'm preaching like this, don't you sit there and stare at me like a... Go down to Genesis chapter number 39. Look at verse 10. You're welcome. The Bible says here, day by day, day by day, Potiphar's wife tempted him and pressed him day by day. So let's admit it. Joseph, this good kid, knew she was looking for an opportunity. Bob Jones Sr. said, when temptation meets opportunity, you're going to sin. So I need to avoid the temptation, not resisting it. I need to get, come on, you know what's tempting to you. Don't act like you're not, but you do that. I'm going to stop right here right now and just stare at you and preach at you all night long. I am a man. You are, by the way, ladies, you do the same thing. You might go about it in a different way, but you're not without sin either. So 
here, he knew that she must have been looking for an opportunity. He knew she kept watching him. The Bible says day by day, she'd stop him and talk to him. Said, Come on in here. Come on in here. Come on, nobody's home. Let's go in here. He knew, and he kept resisting, and he kept resisting, and he kept resisting. He knew she kept trying to tempt him. But Joseph placed himself finally in a situation where he must regularly resist. Day after day, he's trying to resist. Day after day, he's trying to resist. Day after day, he's trying to resist. And the boy's doing a pretty good job resisting. So you and I think this is a success story because he got out of there without doing anything wrong. Listen to me very carefully. Had Joseph been avoiding the situation, he would have no doubt avoided the house altogether. But he didn't. You say, well, he, he didn't give in. No, he didn't sin. However, he placed himself in a situation that could have destroyed him. Some of us are the same with us and the devil, those in this room. The devil will try to bring us face to face with an offer of some kind that we have a real tough time resisting. Do you know a lot of times what gets a good Christian man is a Christian woman? Not some heathen harlot out here on the street somewhere. Many times what gets a Christian man or Christian woman is a Christian man or woman many times in their own church. Can anybody help me know why? Because you're not avoiding. You're resisting. You know there's something there. Your blood pressure goes through the... The, through the ceiling, your palms get all sweaty, you're trying to sneak around without anybody seeing you, you keep glancing at each other, you shake hands way too long, you hold on to each other's hand too long, you get closer and closer to each other all the time. You're trying your best not to get involved, so you keep resisting. Do you know after resisting, there's only one other thing to do? Commit sin. However, avoiding, if you give in, you still... Please turn off your phones. You still have the opportunity to, if you're playing games and stuff, girls, put that away now. Put it all away. Right now, look up here. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Put it away. Put it away. You're not here to play games. You're here to listen to me preach. Okay? Now listen to me carefully. Brother Kaiser comes in here with It's okay, Brother Kaiser. It's just a little girl. Got her. I can handle that part. I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians, and I want you to understand here in verse number 22. Fellas, ladies, the more pure you try to live, the more the devil's coming after you. He has got to ruin your testimony. You say, I'm not doing anything wrong. He didn't say you. Somebody's coming after you. The devil, as a roaring lion, he's seeking whom he may devour. He found a way to get to Joseph. You said, but he didn't sin. I'll try my best to explain that in a moment. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, look what it says. We think, oh, I know what I'm doing. Okay, Joseph, just keep resisting and see what happens to your testimony. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 22, it says, abstain from all appearance of evil. I want to say to you, first of all, it is easier to avoid temptation than to resist temptation. Illustration. In the Bible, leprosy was a type of sin. In those days when, and very, very contagious, and so because in those days when they'd come into town for supplies or whatever, the merchants and many of them would have long poles and they would set it there when they'd take a very long pole and they would shove it over to them. They didn't get a short pole, 
They didn't just come over and sit there and do this. They had a pole. They'd set things down and shove it over to them because they knew how contagious leprosy could be and they're liable to catch that. As they come into town, they would use these poles. They didn't use a short pole. They didn't use a short staff somewhere. They did not want to take the chance of getting involved and catching leprosy. So they stayed as far away as they could. They didn't try to resist. They avoided it altogether. Example, if I had a cobra snake, listen to me, listen to me, quiet, listen. And we found out that that cobra snake had a striking distance of four foot. And you said, four foot one inch, that'd be good. You what you're doing? You're flirting with temptation. You're flirting with disaster. If you would, you're trying to resist getting bitten when you should just avoid it altogether. Would that not be the safe thing? Fellas, look at me. I see more and more of this all the time. And I'm gonna start. I apologize for this. I have no choice. I'm going to call you out on the carpet next time I say it. You're going about this wrong. I might as well just embarrass you where you're at. I didn't realize, preacher. Okay, then don't do it again. We good? What, you don't want me to help you? Or you want me to let you keep fighting and resisting this temptation? That is getting the best of you. And so you see, don't, don't, don't. Look up here. Hey, wake up. Pay attention to me. I'm talking to you. Example. I have a bottle of strychnine up here somewhere. What do I do with that? 12 ounces that says extremely poisonous. You say, 12 ounces? Hmm. I ain't drinking all that. I wonder what would happen if I only drank four ounces. Now, that's just foolishness. I, I hear a kid. Somebody help me with kids, please. I, I don't know who's making the noise. Please stop it. Listen to me carefully. It's just foolish. It's absolutely foolish to say, I know it's poisonous. So what if I just do a little? This is the way our teenagers and us as adults are starting to act concerning sin. Sin is far more fatal than any poison you could possibly start to take. Don't resist sin. Avoid it. Number two, when you resist sin instead of avoiding it, others will think you committed it anyway. Do you know what a guilty person please? Honestly, I didn't do anything. You know what an innocent person please? Honestly, I didn't do anything. Both of them say the same thing. Now listen to me very carefully here. Potiphar, even though Joseph did not lie with his wife, he believed her. He did no sin. And Potiphar, I wonder why. Well, first of all, I got his coat right here. He said, but I didn't do anything. I've got proof. Also, he was in the house. I can see Potiphar, what are you doing in there with my wife? I, I was in there doing my work. She was alone. You can just hear it right now. What is she doing with your coat if nothing happened? But nothing happened, did it? Please understand here, <coughs> in trying to resist, and he did a good job resisting. But when you resist, that brings you closer than you ought to be. And then when something goes awry, people will believe you did something. You see, 
he lost not only his reputation and his position and his freedom, Joseph lost his testimony with Potiphar. And he wasn't even guilty. That's a shame, isn't it? Everybody believed he was guilty, and he wasn't. You know, the way to not be accused of fleas? Don't sleep with dogs. I don't know how I got them. And you're running around with packs of dogs all the time. Do you know the way to not smell like a pig? Don't hang around pigs. Real simple. But I, I didn't do anything. But you smell like a pig. You have fleas like a pig. Uh, like a, like a. Pigs have fleas? My pig has fleas. No, it's dogs. Okay, anyway. If you give, watch, listen to me now. Look at me. I know you think this, is, this pertains to somebody else. If you give the appearance of probable guilt, most people will believe you're probably guilty. You take a person where people keep saying, yeah, he keeps hanging around. Yeah, he keeps hanging around. Yeah, he keeps hanging around. When something goes wrong, they're saying, I knew. You say, but I didn't do anything. Doesn't make any difference now. Joseph went to prison, and he was not guilty because he was in a place he shouldn't have been. Somebody had some circumstantial evidence, pretty good evidence. I got his coat right here. I tried to scream. Nobody else around. He was in here all by himself. I mean, it really looked pretty bad. If you are a Christian who is known for always being around sin, always close to sin, folks will naturally believe you're guilty when sin happens. You say, it's not my fault. Quit trying to resist and avoid it. Just avoid it. That's what you need to do. Most guilty people, as I said before, say things like, I was there, but I'm not guilty. You know, my mom used to say, she wasn't even saved at the time, and she said this, you're as guilty as those you run with. You don't want to be labeled with them. What are you doing hanging with them? If you don't want people to think you're guilty of criticism, quit running around with critics. You say, oh, no, I was with them, but I don't do that. That's, uh, I told you this story one time. I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you again. A paddy wagon brought me home one night. Honestly, I wasn't guilty. I was as pure and as innocent as the driven snow. You don't believe that part of the sermon, do you? Okay. We were just out walking the streets, not bothering anybody. You ever heard your kids say that? Not doing anything, we're just walking around. Put a rake, a shovel, an iron, something in their hand, and give them a reason to be breathing. We're just going to go to the mall and hang out. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going to get on your bike and ride all over, all over. I was going to say something. I can't. Anyway, no, you're not. This isn't fair. Get used to it. Life's not fair. You parents are way too nice. That's your problem. If you don't want to be accused of being guilty of immorality, quit being alone with a boy or a girl. You put your parents on such a guilt trip. You don't believe me. 
Even if you're innocent, why were you in that situation? Joseph, in God's dear name, what are you doing in a house all by yourself with a woman that you knew was after you day after day after day? Now she's got your coat. Her husband's going to believe. What did you think was going to happen? Everybody's going to defend you and believe you? It doesn't work that way. If you don't want people to think that you're guilty of being a rebel, quit running around with people who break the rules all the time. You don't want people to think you're stealing. Stay away from other people's possessions. I, I found a 20. I think it's mine. It don't have your name on it. And you've never seen a 20 in your life, so it's obvious it's not yours. You ready? You don't want people to think you're a gossip? Why is it you always seem to, I'm never on the internet, but you always seem to know what everybody's doing. Did you hear about, no, what'd you hear that? Uh, well, it's, um, well, Facebook, I, I went to, you know what I think? I think you hang on that. I think you hang out there all the time. I think you know what's going on. And therefore, when the church runs into a problem, guess what you know? I know everything about everybody. And I ask a question, and everybody looks at each other like, I don't do that. I don't do that either. Nobody's on the Internet anymore. Nobody has friends. Nobody tweets or flutters or does anything. I don't know how we find out all this stuff. You need to avoid. Quit trying to resist all of this. These and others is going to happen to you or you're going to be labeled as being guilty. Don't lose your testimony and reputation over something you did not do but are told you're guilty because you're too close and trying to resist giving in. Why well, I tried and tried to resist. Quit resisting. Avoid the situation. Number three, it's easier to avoid sin than to resist it. Don't let the devil lie to you and make you think you're strong enough not to give in. Who in the world would tell you something like that? God? Oh, yeah, get close to sin. You're a strong Christian. You won't give in. God's not telling you that. That's the world, the flesh, and the devil trying to destroy you. You say, but I didn't do anything. Too late. They already believe you did. Oh, the paddy wagon. You like that story? My... I'm surprised I remember stuff anymore, really. What was I talking about? Uh, the, um, we were just out walking the streets one night. And somebody said, so what are we going to do? I don't know. Over here, Johnny Armentrout, there's nobody at his house. He said, we can go over to his house anytime we want to. No kidding. Yeah. So we head off to Johnny Armentrout's house right down here off of Hague Avenue. Way back when I was a teenager, a week or two ago. And uh, so we went over there. Sure enough, there must have been 20 other people that I knew. It was in the house. It must be okay. Everybody's there. But Johnny Armentrout wasn't there. Hey, where, where's Johnny at? Oh, he's in Florida visiting some family. He, he said we could use his house. Oh, okay. Next thing I know, SWAT, FBI, CIA, the Marines. I mean, they're coming through doors and windows. I'm sitting there looking, everybody on the floor. They're shoving everybody around, hands behind your back. I mean, the whole nine yards, you know. Assume the position. 
Next thing I know, I'm in a paddy wagon. When they put me in the paddy wagon, the, the, the catch on the paddy wagon caught a hold of my jeans and ripped them from the bottom all the way up. So now I'm in a paddy wagon, and those guys don't know how to drive without turning on lights. They want anybody to know, we got a criminal in here. So they pulled up in front of my mom's house. They pull me out. I'm screaming bloody murder. I'm innocent. I'm innocent. They pull me out. Now, you would think your mom, well, you moms today would agree with your little, your little boy. With, 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 your, with, with your, quiet. With, hey, your little snowflake. Your innocent child, for some reason, always seems to be in trouble. So I cop a plea. Mom, honest. I'm not guilty. I didn't do anything. Get in the house. Get in the house. Oh, my mom was so embarrassed. Oh. So when the cops find, here's what we found. Here's what we saw. Here's where he's at. Here's the people that were with him. And I'm thinking, this is not good. This is not good at all. They didn't tell me. Johnny Armstrong never said we could use his house. So they got us all for breaking and entering. I'm this innocent, cute kid. I didn't know. My mom, as only my Mrs. Bell could, my Mrs. Bell, my mommy, said this. I'm copping a plea. I mean, I'm telling mom, those stupid cops and those people over there, and they deceived me and they lied to me. My mom never listened to a word I had to say. You would. Well, honey, then all those dirty cops and all those people misled my cute little boy. This, this is you today because you have no idea how to raise kids. You know what my mom did? She slapped me and said, you're as guilty as those you run with. Now get upstairs. Hey, man. I didn't like it at the time either. Now. Watch this very carefully. Now, listen to me. When you leave church here, let's assume you're struggling with something. And you leave church on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, and you have such determination. Buddy, I got this thing under control now. I am not doing that. I am not falling for that. I am not going to go through with that. I mean, you just decide, I'm handling this. Okay? Do you know why you're able to do that when you're here as opposed to out there? Because here, you've avoided it. You come in here, and she's not here, is she? And that guy at work, he's not here, is he? And that temptation at work, whether it's money or, or gossip or whatever, it's not here. So at the end of the day, you get all kinds of spiritual courage and determine that is not going to happen to me. And it didn't. You know why? Because here, you're avoiding everything. Now, that sounds like a sissy-fied word. Avoid it. I avoid anything. Yeah, you have too much pride. You'll be the first one to fall into sin, and nobody's going to believe you. But then on Monday, you have to go back there again. I quit a job one time because I thought somebody was getting too friendly with me. I told a woman right here, get out of church, because I thought she was getting too friendly with me. She said, that's not very nice. Okay, fall into adultery. Then. Go ahead. You decide what's important to you. Better yet, decide what's important to the cause of Christ and his testimony. So you see, what happens here is simply this. When you are here, you don't have to resist. You're actually, in a sense, avoiding all that. That's why you feel so good about yourself when you leave here on a Sunday night. Or maybe not after this sermon, but most time. 
What you're doing is you now have to go back and face that temptation that you think, I can handle this now. You walk right back into it again and say, I'm ready to start resisting again. But it's getting worse. It's getting worse. Whatever it is you're resisting, you're losing the battle and you know it. And if you're not, anything goes wrong in that story at all, you're going to be accused of doing what you're trying to resist. You see, you do out there, what you do in here is the way that you should handle things. What am I doing in here? You're avoiding all of it. Get over sitting at the picnic table at work by yourself. Get over not having, I have no friends at work. I didn't know you were getting paid to make friends at work. Look, I had a family, I have a wife, I got a house, I'm not going to work to make friends. I'm going to work to work. I thought that's what you paid me for. But no, everybody has a gymnasium, family day, bring the baby day, bring your dog day. We have all these things to make you think work is your life. Christ is my life. Work is something that I do to pay bills. Period. Get over here. You're really not that important. They've got you up a flagpole, man. Oh, we'll never be able to survive without you. You die right now. They'd push your stool out of the way, have somebody there in two weeks. And they'd say, who used to have that job? I don't know. What was that guy's name anyway? If you would avoid out there sin like you do in here, I mean, get away from it, run from it. Don't stand your ground and try to resist it. That is not the way Christians should handle things. Watch this. It is easier to say no to the office party on the phone than go to the office party and try to resist the music and the beer while you're there. One, you avoided. That'd be much easier to say, I can't than when you're there and try to resist. Y'all keep going to office parties. It is easier to say, no, I can't come over when you're on the phone, teenagers, than to beg your mom and dad to go, and then that girl or that guy says, sneak out. My parents sleep so heavy, they'll never know. What are you going to tell them then? No way, Jose. That's Spanish, by the way. I'm bilingual. You're going to find out resisting is much harder than avoiding. Let me say this. It's easier to say, I can't talk to you over the phone than to say no to the critic or the gossip when you're standing right in front of them. Here's what you do. Mom and Dad, she just kept talking. I didn't know what to do. What are you doing over at her house if you knew that's what she does? See, you're not trying to avoid. You're trying to resist, and you're, and you're failing, and you're losing, and you, gotta, you, you can't do that. I'm just telling you, you can't do it. It is easier to say no to the ride in a friend's car than to say no to the wrong music once you're in the car. And I'll wait for everyone, you teenagers, for your eyes to light up and say, Wow, he's right. I know I'm right. You say, my parents disagree. I don't care if your parents disagree or not. I'm the one doing the preaching. Most of the struggles, the failures, the sins in most Christians' life could be non-existent for the most part if they would start thinking, I don't want to get myself in that position. Not, I think I'm strong enough to resist it if it happens. That's just foolish, folks. You can't do that. 
Resisting means I'm struggling not to give in. That's what resisting is. Resisting in the badge of honor, it's saying I'm doing my best not to give in. Avoiding is simply saying I'm absent from that which I know tempts me. I'm staying away from it. Here's why you walk through the store and while you're there, they got all those smutty, half-dressed, whatever, magazines right there by the cat. And you do this. And you knuckleheads trying to make another man believe all that stuff doesn't bother you. I like what Curtis Hudson used to say. You're either dead or queer, one or the other. I know me. I am dirty. I'm rotten. I'm sinful. I'm low down. I'm fi- I don't need you to tell me this. I tell myself all the time. And I know if I'm going to succeed for the cause of Christ, I cannot resist the things in this world. I have to avoid. Number four. I'm almost done. If you do not avoid sin and only resist it, the next step is to commit it. Look, there is a progression. The devil gets you walking down a certain path. He knows where he's taking you. God knows where you need to be. We don't listen to God. Here's the reason why. In all probability, Joseph, had he been pardoned and Potiphar had believed him or they didn't send him to prison, he'd go back to work. Well, guess where he had to go back to work at? Potiphar's house. Guess who's at Potiphar's house? Well, what choice do I have? Quit your job. Go to the other end of Potiphar's estate and work down there till you can get by all this. Quit trying to resist. It doesn't work. I'm, I hope you listen to me. Look, I'm tired of seeing people, good men and women, fall into sexual sins. And by the way, parents, you've heard it. There's no sense in me hiding anymore. Your teenagers are sexting constantly. It is now a part of dating. You can't have a good relation, meaning relationship, unless you're sexting one another. Sending dirty pictures to one another of you with nothing on is a part of the dating process. So go out and buy them a phone. Then act real ignorant. Oh, I don't know how those things work. They do. Look, I wish I didn't have talk like this, but we have entered in. And you said, preacher, it's heading that way. What are we going to do about it? Okay, well, this is the kind of talk you get. A Christian cannot play tag with sin and win. You're going to lose. You will lose. The next step after resisting is committing. There's no other place to go. Once you give in from resisting, you're going to commit the sin. It is obvious that that is the next step. This is why the devil convinces people you can resist. This is why the devil says you got it handled. This is why the devil says, you haven't got caught yet. You're doing okay. And we actually fall for that line, that lie that he tries to tell us. You see, the thing is, he's working on your pride as a Christian. Anybody who thinks I can handle sin is foolish. Just foolish. You can't. God saved you from that because you can't handle it. You couldn't even deliver yourself. He had to do it for you. Now, all of a sudden, we think because we're Christians, we can resist. Well, 
One bad move on somebody else's part of yours, you are going to be held accountable. It's going to injure your testimony. Listen. Let me illustrate. Why do we not allow dating? Which some of you parents, it doesn't matter to you. You don't listen to the preacher anyway. Here's the reason why. You don't want to fuss with your teenager. Don't fuss with them. Just tell them no. I don't understand fussing with teenagers. What I say? That's a good reason. Till you figure it out, you just do what I tell you to do. Everybody else is. No, they're not. You're not. Oh, oh, oh. Here we preach, teach, and enforce the best we can. We don't allow dating. You're in that school, and I find out you're dating on the side and going on the phone and building a relationship. Mom and Dad, look at me right now. They're getting kicked out of school. Relationships on that level, at that age, will ruin your your kids as they go into their adult life. No? You never heard of a 14-year-old getting pregnant? Then you look at this kid, has no idea what he's doing. You're going to do the manly thing? He thought he already did. I'm not trying to be crude. If we don't wake up, we're going to lose more and more Christians because we just don't, we're just praying and hoping for the best. I got a better idea. Have a plan. Follow God. Listen to your preacher. See, all of you with little kids, I couldn't build the safe walls high enough for you. But when they become, Daddy, I don't get it. I know people. Honey, we'll go and talk with the preacher. Says the wife to her husband. We don't allow dating. It's not the proper time. Do you do understand in the Bible there's no such thing as dating? You do understand in the Bible that teenagers are not the center of attention. The devil has caused us to turn the whole thing upside. Little children's what life's all about. No, it's not. It's us older folk. You should have seen some of these kids. We had, we're eating down there, and we told them, get in the line. Get into the line? It's like they'd never heard that before. Into the line? <laughs> Would there be any food left? Into the line? Come on, bring it <laughs> I said, I'm going to the front. There was a day until dad sat down at the table, the kids did not sit down and get started. Bring back the... Never mind. Uh, <laughs> letters. By the way, I'm telling you, some of, some of your Christian kids are passing notes and phone pictures and stuff for other kids. And here's what I'm going to say. I didn't do anything wrong. Yes, you did. By the way, Joseph didn't do anything really wrong. But he got accused and went to prison. And that's when you say, Christianity's not fair. I'm telling you right now, avoid it. Stay away from it. But someone knows someone likes them. I got that. Instead of obeying and avoiding because I told you to, because your dad and mom said, you're not, are you? No, not me. And you say, whew, that's good. There's phone calls, letter writing, pictures. You shake hands too long, and now you're doing your best. You can't even sit in church and have a clean thought anymore. 
your Christian kids sit in here and burn in their lust. You say, they don't like anybody in church. I know they like somebody on that phone. Like some men do. Okay. It's not just men, ladies. He works too much. You're kind of bored. He doesn't understand you. And this guy, he'll talk for hours with you. Where's he live? Europe. Love his accent. Oh, that's so romantic. Oh, but I don't really have a relationship. What you're doing, you're getting close to sin as you can, trying to resist. Because all of a sudden, you think all of marriage should be a romance honeymoon. You need to wake up and smell the coffee is what you need to do. Black coffee, not that frothy, mochi, I'm getting fat drinking coffee stuff. You're welcome. The problem simply stated is this. We all like getting excited about sin. I got teenagers shaking their head and parents going like this. Hmm. They know the truth. Whether they like it or not, they know the truth when they hear it. That excitement, that adrenaline, that, 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 those hormones rising, that blood pressure going up, that I can't breathe. And they haven't even done anything. The excitement, the thrill, the almost, the danger, the avoidance. We love that stuff. That's the devil saying, you can handle it. You haven't done anything wrong. Most Christians would not buy a dirty magazine, like I said earlier, but you'll go by and stare at it all the time. Oh, no, I was looking, I was looking at the sports magazine, the boxing is that what you told your wife or kids? Dad, what are we looking at? Oh, nothing. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about maybe buying that uh, Christian magazine up there. Because of our sinful nature. Because, and by the way, look at me. Everybody has a sinful nature. Everybody. You. And you. And you. You really have. We get as close to sin as possible and enjoy the feeling of resisting. The thrill of, oh boy, almost got caught that time. We like that. We don't want to get caught in the sin. Watch this. Avoiding sin, there's no thrill in that. There's no thrill in avoiding sin, which means there's no temptation when you avoid what makes it so exciting is the resisting, wanting what I'm really not supposed to have, getting as close as I can, enjoying the thrill, but I'm not doing anything wrong. We like that. There is no physical or emotional thrill to avoiding sin. It's boring. No, it's clean. <laughs> Watch it. You're falling out of love in your spouse because they're boring. To be tempted into illegal relationship, a sinful, with somebody. Some, is anybody looking at this picture? 
The old boy comes home every night after 50, 60 hours of work. Okay, so he wants to sit down and watch a ball game. Quit your complaining all the time. Well, this guy at work, he'll talk to me for hours. Yeah, well, what's wrong with his marriage? Why ain't he talking to his wife? The farther a Christian stays away from all possible evil and wickedness, the better off. But that sounds boring. There's no excitement in that. Now, you either want to be excited about something or you want to live right for God. By, by the way, I found out something. Wake up. I found out something. You know what I found out? I found out the more I avoid and get closer to God, I get excited about clean living. I get excited about doing right. Quit listening to people tell you the thrill of their sin. It's going to be short-lived. The pure life is blessed, the Bible said. closer he is and the greater the fight to resist, he'll soon commit that. I'm just telling some of you right now. You're resisting for all your work. And then you do that teenage girl thing. What am I doing wrong? Teenage girls, honest. Cute as all get out, dumb as a brick. That's why you need a mom and a dad and a youth leader and a preacher and some Sunday school teacher and a teacher. You need all the help you can get. You want people to like you and you want so much attention, you're willing to almost give yourself away. Again, those of you with little kids, they're going to be pure. They'll never be tempted. They'll probably not even date anybody. My kids, when they were little, said, when I grew up, I want to marry daddy. Cute song. Ain't going to happen. Finally, number 10. Go to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter 6. Last verse, last point. I know you're doing your best to resist the temptation right now, aren't you? It's good to have Brother Adam back with us. And I really do mean that. I'm resisting temptation right now. So anyway. Matthew chapter 6, look at verse number 13, the first part there. And lead us not into... Now, I'm praying for God, and what I'm doing is this verse is asking God to help us avoid temptation. Don't lead us that. Don't let us go that way. God, please stop me from going in that direction. You know what we're asking for? God, help me to avoid, not give me strength to resist. No, that's not Bible. It is keep me from that which tempts me. Help me to avoid. God, I'm praying to you, please keep me away from that. Whatever that is, let me avoid it. I don't want to get so close to it. I feel the heat. I feel the temptation. I feel the thrill. I feel the excitement. Now, every time I look that way, see that, watch that, all I'm doing is being lit on fire. I'm telling you, one of these days, that thing's going to combust and you're going to be in big trouble. Now, for you good Christians in here going, wonder who he's talking about. I'm talking about you. Who believe you have never done anything wrong since you got saved in your mother's womb. If I avoid, I have automatically resisted the temptation. That's a good statement. If I avoid, I've automatically resisted. I don't have to go over here to resist to resist. I can avoid and, and resist. Man, this is good preaching. I, 
I love my pride. I'm resisting pride. Anyway. Joseph could have done a lot better. We have a we have couples in here right now that are kind of dating. They're like in their 20s and 30s. I know this is so infantile to you, but they won't go anyplace without one or two other couples going with them. I I gave marriage counseling to a couple a few years back, and I mentioned this, and they kind of looked at me and giggled like, "Preacher, you know how old we are? Don't care how old you are." What, did sin die because you hit 30? And I said, I'm just telling you right now, don't be alone together. Well, make a long story short, after a couple of years, he actually, one of the only person to ever do this, he came back and he said, uh, I disagree with you on this, 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 but there's one thing that you told the truth about. I said, what's that? He said about being alone, I couldn't resist. You were right. Adult people. Adult people. Look, why are you dating her? I like her. Why are you dating her? I love her. So let me get this right. I got two people who love each other alone, and you're going to resist. You're better Christian than me because I'm not going to. You say, well, preacher, you know what you're saying? Yeah, I better have some guardians around. I'm not going on double date. I'm going on quadruple date. We're not going to be sitting in a car like this. We're going to go in a, in, a, in, a, in a pickup truck, and we're sitting in the back away from everybody. You think, you think this is so foolish and so infantile. What do you think is happening to Christian couples everywhere? What do you think is happening to our young people? It's not the church that's boring. They are burned in their brain and their emotion while parents just go, well, I hope she doesn't get pregnant. That is our answer. This is why we don't allow dating. And we're not about race start either. You said they will anyway. You're not with my okay, you're not going to. He did resist. He could have avoided. You say, oh, it turned out okay. Really, you call several years in prison? Okay. Is, is that what's okay now? By the way, his testimony... Was in jeopardy? Yeah, you hear about that guy over there? Yeah, he, he tried to rape that woman right there. Go ahead, tell everybody. I did not! You're in prison. Yeah, they all say that. I'm innocent. I'm telling you right now, I'm asking some of you right now, I don't know who you are. Hmm. Back away. You know where it's at, what it is, who she is, who he is, what the circumstance is. You've heard me tell you tonight, and you hear me over and over again, but you keep thinking, I haven't given in, so I'm still handling things. Resisting means I'm fighting not to give in right now. I want to, but I'm not. Avoiding says, I'm resisting. And should I not avoid, I still have another step that I can. I shouldn't, but I can. I can still resist. I quit a job. You won't. I did. My marriage means too much to me. Who pays the bill? He does. You mean to tell me I'm going to stand for right and side with God? And somehow he's not going to help me? 
in our society we live in, we are too liberal. Talking about Christians. We are too carnal and worldly. We're not even aware. Some of you new Christians, you're hearing some of this for the first time going, what is his problem? Because we want so badly for our kids to fit into the world so they're not bullied and picked on. Okay, how about this? How about you stand with God and do what's right and let the world do what it does? Since when should Christian moms and dads want their kids to fit into the world? I am telling you tonight, avoiding sin as much as you can is the best thing to do. Resisting sin is the foolish way to handle things. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Dear Lord, I know the pressure and the influence, the teaching and the false philosophies of mankind that bombard us every day. Our own children, not realizing, put pressure on mom and dad to give in so they can do fleshly things. And we think we have a good home because nobody's fighting and fussing. And yet we're losing more and more of our kids to the world. And more and more good, grown Christians. And they will say with broken heart, I didn't know it would go that far. I was trying to fight it, and it got the best of me. Dear Lord, please, please, as embarrassing as it may seem to be, as hurtful as it may seem to be, the loss of friendships we may have to suffer, it is better to avoid sin whenever possible than to stand in front of it and say, I'm not giving in, I'm not giving in, I'm not going to do it, I'm not giving in. That's just foolish. I ask you to please wake us up about this thing called evil and wickedness and sin. You even said, pray, lead us not into temptation. God, please, help us to avoid what we pray about. Don't let us be tempted in areas we cannot handle. Help us to avoid it altogether. Every head bowed. Some of you teenagers ought to be on this altar asking God to forgive you for the willful filth and sinfulness you have allowed and are playing with and keep saying, I haven't given in. Nobody knows. God does. You do. And now you know that you are held accountable. Just to be careful. Mom and dad, it's time you got on the right path and realized the devil is after you, your spouse, and your children. People in the world are hunting for your pure kids. They're hunting for your good marriage. They're hunting for your good testimony. It's not accident. You're being set up. The world is looking to destroy you, to use any good thing in you and then toss you to the side like they do everything and everybody else. Teenager, quit playing a game. This is serious. In a moment, they're going to play. God talked to you at all. If what I said was right at all, you ought to be at this altar asking God to keep you from temptation. As they play.